Thank you, Brother Cliff, for a beautiful song service. I and mean, we're all involved in that. And it's good to sing these wonderful phrases to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to know that I do feel good. <laughs> I'm glad you're here today. And I hope that you are feeling good. And, and I hope that all is well with you. Now, as I say I feel good, I, I have to tell you... Uh, the year 2010 was kind of a rough year. Uh, even though I'm not preaching regularly anymore, I think I did more funeral services last year than any other year before. And I attended quite a few of people that I truly love and truly respect and truly care about. And there's a, a lot of pain in that. We miss these people. And I'm sure that you miss many of them for we've had some from right here at Fountainhead that have gone away. But in Revelation 21 verse 4, the Scripture says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And because of that, I feel good. Even though I know that we face death here upon this earth, that one day we're going to a city where the roses never fade. And when we get to that place, there will be no more death. We will not have to experience others that have left this life. We don't have to experience our own death anymore. These things have gone away. I've had friends to let me down. And, and what I mean by that, maybe in the traditional way of how people let you down from time to time, that's, that's not so much a big a deal as, as though we look around and there's people that we care about, and yet we see bad things going on in their lives, and we see bad decisions taking place in their lives, and we, we try to encourage them, we try to help them, but yet they continue to do things that harm themselves, and that brings a lot of disappointments to us. And brings us a lot of discouragement. But in that day that we are in that heavenly home, the Scripture says that there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. People are not going to let us down anymore. We can depend on each other. Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be happy over there someday. The year 2010 was the year of the kidney stone. Three surgeries last year. <laughs> and I tell you, I went through about three weeks last year where I was just miserable in great pain. And, and I see some cringes of people that you must have had those things too before. You know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of things out there that, that just bring pain into our life, physical pain. There are things that bring emotional pain and mental pain. But once again, I feel good because there shall be no more pain. When we get that heavenly home, we won't have to face those physical pains anymore. We don't have to face the things that, that challenge us in our emotional sense or in the mental sense either. And so I feel good. I feel good because I know that there is a crown of life awaiting me one day. A place that we can go. A place where the roses never fade. And that's told to us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. But this morning, what I really want to talk about, in a sense, is for years we've had what we have heard 
they're called feel-good preachers. There's a lot of feel-good preachers out there today. We have feel-good preachers in the Lord's church in various places. And what I mean by a feel-good preacher, they're going to be up here in the pulpit and, and they're going to preach a lot of sermons about God's grace. And they're going to preach a lot of sermons about God's love. And they're going to preach a whole lot of sermons about how God forgives us. And as I look through the Bible, indeed, those subjects are in there all over the place. And that means we need to preach about those things. So we can't fault anyone for preaching on those subjects. And we should. And I know I have over the years. I know Chad preaches on these subjects. We all should preach on that. So there's no argument about that at all. But our problem with feel-good preachers is they tend to leave out the parts about sin and talk about various sins that we commit. They, they don't want to preach about repentance. Some of them don't want to tell us what we need to do to be saved. They want us to walk out the door every Lord's Day morning. Every time we come and assemble together, they want you walking out the door feeling good. And so they're going to bring you some things and, and they're going to tell you about hope and they're going to tell you about forgiveness and they're going to tell you that everything's okay in your life. Just believe in God. Just believe in His Son and everything's going to be wonderful. You walk out the door, you're going to be feeling good. And everything's going to be happy in your life. Well, I want you to know, I think I'm speaking for Chad and I know I'm speaking for myself. Every time we are up here in the pulpit, we want you to walk out the door feeling good. We truly do. We want you to feel happy. We want you to be content. And that is our ultimate goal as we stand in this pulpit and preach God's Word to you. But yet, we need to think about that some. We need to think about how everything needs to be covered from the Word of God. What about Jesus? If we could bring Jesus back to us today and, and have Him to bring us just one lesson today, do you believe that He wants you to walk out the door feeling good today? I believe He does. I, want, I, I know He wants you feeling good. And when He preached, uh, when He was here upon this earth, when He studied with others, when He talked to others, He wanted them to feel good. He came to seek and save the lost. He wants everyone to have a heavenly home someday. And so we see that, that Jesus came to help us to feel good. If you would turn over to John chapter 6. Let's look at some scripture. In John chapter 6, throughout this chapter, Jesus is speaking to His disciples, especially towards the second half of the chapter. And He's discussing with them the matter of Him being the bread of life. Jesus spoke in parables. He used many figures, and throughout the things that He was saying on that particular day in Capernaum, He was using a lot of figures to describe. And He was just trying to help them to understand, all you need to do is partake in Him. Be a part of Him. And you can have that heavenly home with Him someday. Well, let's pick it up in verse 48. In verse 48, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. And this is the bread which comes down from heaven, and that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, 
He will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for my life, for the life of the world. And then notice what happens in verse 52. In verse 52 it says, The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This caused the Jews to, to quarrel among themselves. That would be the same as, as me preaching here this morning. And I'm getting to some kind of point where uh, you're not really sure what I'm talking about. And, and so you turn to your spouse or whoever's next to you and go, what, What's he talking about right there? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really understand this. What does he mean by that? And, and so that's what the Jews were doing here at this point. But Jesus continues, and he, he says in verse 53, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the, the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. But just imagine, these people were either taking him literally or at least they didn't understand what he meant by these things. Because it says even in verse 60, we find that, that Jesus continues here, but in verse 60 it says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Who can understand what he's talking about right here? This, this is uh, kind of going beyond what we, we understand. And when Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples complained about this, He said, does this offend you? Jesus could see out in the audience what was taking place that day. And He saw that people were being offended. His own disciples were being offended. And He speaks a little bit more until you get down to verse 66 which says that from that time, many of His disciples went back and walked with Him no more. There were disciples that said, we just can't follow Him. We, we just cannot understand what He's talking about. We don't like what He's talking about. We cannot be His followers anymore. Now, do you think that's what Jesus intended? <laughs> Do you think Jesus uh, spoke to them on that day and in the back of His mind He's thinking, I want these people to go away and not follow Me. <laughs> of course not. Well, shouldn't He said something different? <laughs> well, no, He brought the Word of Truth that day, didn't He? he? He wanted them to follow. He wanted them to digest the things that He had to say, but, but they didn't. Jesus loved them. Oh, I think often about Matthew chapter 23. All throughout that chapter, you find that Jesus called the people hypocrites. Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And I kind of think about that. What if we stood here in the pulpit today and, and I point my finger right at you and say, hypocrite. 
I don't think you'd like it. I, I know if I was sitting back there and Brother Chad pointed right at me and said, hypocrite, I wouldn't like it either. <laughs> He's not complimenting me, that's for sure, and uh, I'm not going to like that. Uh, that's that's going to hurt my feelings. Preacher was to do that today, uh, many people would say, you know, that preacher's mean-spirited. That preacher doesn't have any love in his heart. He's got some hatred up there in his heart. What about Jesus? Did he have hatred in his heart? Didn't he love the people? But yet he saw that there was, uh, there was a sect of the Jews. And indeed, there was much hypocrisy that was in them. It needed to be noted. It needed to be understood. It wasn't pleasant. And I'm sure the intentions were that maybe one of them, some of them, uh, even all of them, has something there in their heart somewhere where they go, you know, I have been a hypocrite. As painful as it is to hear someone tell you that face to face, I have been and I need to change. I need to repent of that. I need to start thinking differently. I need to start living differently. But these people were offended. <laughs> they, they didn't feel that way. It wasn't very long after that. And it wasn't just because of what Jesus said on that day. But not very long after that, we find them putting Jesus up on the cross of Calvary. They crucified Him. They did not like the message that He was bringing to this lost and dying world. Well, this is the truth. Bear with me for a few minutes. There are some of you that came into this assembly this morning feeling good, and you're going to leave here in just a few minutes feeling good. For the very same reason I walked in feeling good this morning and will leave feeling good. You have had your sins washed by the blood of the Lamb. Somewhere in the past, you have studied God's Word. You have read the Word of God. You understand that we are God's children and that we are to follow His ways. You understand God's plan of salvation. You understand that that you must believe that Jesus is God's Son and you repent of your sins and you're willing to confess that Jesus is God's Son and you've had your sins buried in the waters of baptism, you have come forth a new creature. And now that you've come forth this new person in Christ, you have made that commitment to be faithful unto death. You're going to come and worship when it's time to worship and you're going to live your life throughout the week, every week, praising God, doing everything to God's glory. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I have sinned. I do things I shouldn't do, but yet we are living to please God. And we're not going out and doing sin willfully. We don't sit down and just plot, well, you know, I just don't like that part of the Scripture. That's okay, I'm going to go do this anyway. We don't think that way. And so we can come into the assembly feeling good and we can leave the assembly feeling good. And if 
somewhere along the way in the preaching, we, we hear something that, oh, uh, there is something I need to adjust in my life, then we're willing to correct it very gladly and do that right away. There are some of you that, that came into the services today feeling bad, but you may leave feeling good. because You came in feeling bad, first of all, because you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and you know that you need to. You have studied God's Word, either on your own or someone has studied with you, and by looking at the Scriptures and studying it, you know what you must do to be saved, but for whatever reason, you just had not done it yet. You've put it off. And you feel bad inside because of it. But maybe you will take care of that today. Maybe you will, will decide, you know, I want to walk out the door feeling good. And so today you do something about that. There may be someone else here that has obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been immersed for the remission of your sins, but you haven't been living faithfully unto death. Somewhere we have slid back a bit. We've been doing things that we shouldn't do. And we know is wrong and contrary to the Scriptures. So for that person, we feel bad too because we know we've been doing it. But today we're ready to repent. We're ready to straighten that out. It may be a public thing and you need to come down for the prayers. Or it may be just a little private thing that no one else knows about. And, and just in your heart, you pray to God, you've asked God to forgive you, and you change. And you just make it right and do right. And some of you will leave good, feeling good because of that. There's others that may have walked in feeling bad for the reasons we just discussed, and you will leave feeling bad because you still just haven't done what you ought to do. I remember as a teenager, there was a few Sundays there. I was ready. I knew. And I'd be there and that invitation song would come. And it's like my, all my body was ready to go except my feet. <laughs> They've grown roots into the floor. And just didn't go. But I'm thankful finally one Wednesday night, I broke loose from those roots and came on down. And I felt better after it's over. Don't be someone that leaves feeling bad today because we just put it off one more time. Sometimes there's people that leave the, the church worship service feeling angry. I can tell you, after 25 years of preaching at New Deal, I, I had some people that got angry. They didn't like what I said. And I'm sure there's some people who don't like some things that Chad says sometimes. They get angry about it. I won't mention a name, but uh, a few years ago we had uh, one preaching uh, at our gospel meeting when we was at New Deal, and somebody most of you know. And this man was preaching one night, and there was a couple of guys that got up, and you can tell they didn't have another appointment. They were angry. They did not like what he was talking about that evening. He was talking about a particular sin, and he was talking about how we need to repent of that sin, and that if we don't, we're lost. Don't like that. Mm-mm. They got up and went out the door. They were very upset about that. They were angry. They were offended by what they heard that evening. There are those that don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Don't want to hear it. And so we may leave that way sometimes. But you see, this is why we have some that preach these feel-good sermons. They don't want you to leave angry. 
They don't want you to be upset and they don't want you to be offended about anything. So they're going to be very careful about what they say up here publicly because they don't want anybody. They, they, not a single person do they want to have as an adversary because of that. They don't want you to leave feeling bad either. They don't want you to feel dejected when you go out the door. They want you to be happy and content and feel good. And that way you'll come back in the next Lord's Day and, and you'll just keep coming back to hear the things that they have to say because they're going to keep preaching the same things. They're going to tell you about God's love, which we need to know about God's love again. But they're going to tell you everything's okay. God forgives you. God loves you. You just keep coming and worshiping with us and everything will be fine. If you believe in your heart about Jesus, everything will be alright in your life. And the problem with this is that we can walk out the door feeling good after hearing that. But we also walk out the door lost. That's a very dangerous thing. That's why we've got to preach everything. I don't, I don't want you to feel good, but at the same time walk out the door lost. We need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so preachers of the truth will preach the truth. We want you to walk out the door feeling good, but because it is good. Everything is alright in your life. Everything is, is set. And, and should you step out that door and, and just two minutes later, something takes your life from you, everything's going to be fine. You're going to go to that city where the roses never fade. You're going to go to a wonderful place one day when the judgment comes. But the truth is, if you have not obeyed the gospel, you need to feel bad. If there's something that's amiss in your life, you need to feel bad. It's okay to feel bad. That means your conscience is bothering you. And we need that conscience to bother us until we do something about it. I've heard some preachers preach that sometimes. I've, uh, they preach, I hope that when you go home that, that you don't get a wink of sleep until you do something about it. <laughs> we want you to feel bad until you do something about it. Something's troubling you. You know, one of the things that got me started on this idea for the lesson day, and I, again, I won't mention the name, but it was one of you. This past year, one of you came forward after, at the end of the service during the invitation, had prayers, there were some things that was wrong, and, and after the service was over, I came down and spoke with you, and that person said, I feel good now. And I, I had a feeling they weren't feeling good before they walked down the aisle. Now they feel good. They got that load off of them. They, they gave it to the Lord and took care of it and made the change and made everything right. You know, I think some people look at preachers sometimes as someone with this big dagger just going around stabbing people. You know, you're just stabbing me in the back, you're stabbing me in the heart. Well, we do a little stabbing sometimes. We do a little cutting. But it's more along these lines. 
Sometimes we want to do a little surgery as we're preaching God's Word. You know, the surgeons, they, they go into the body and, and they're removing something that's bringing pain and discomfort into our life. And after they remove that, there's still going to be a little pain after it. But after the wound is healed, the ultimate goal is we're going to feel better. And all's going to be well. Preachers do the same. We, we cut in every once in a while to try to remove something that's doing damage to our soul so that soul can be made well once again. That's what we're looking at. And I have to kind of admit, I don't know if Chad's ever cut me up, <laughs> but he has given me a shot a time or two. Oh, that shot was so painful. Oh, it hurt. <laughs> it was a big needle. But it's some medicine I needed. It was some medicine that I needed to help me to do better in my walk with the Lord. These things are necessary from time to time. Well, what about you? How do you feel? I'd like to go over to Acts chapter 8. We all know the story about the Ethiopian man and it's from verses 26 through verse 40. Remember the story of this man? He was an Ethiopian treasurer. And he'd been in Jerusalem, he's traveling back home, and he's on his way, and he's in, a, uh, in his chariot, and he's reading, from the, uh, he's reading a parchment from the book of Isaiah. Now, quite honestly, I don't know how he was feeling that day. The Scripture doesn't tell us. I, I think he was feeling maybe a bit confused, because when Philip comes along, he says that he doesn't understand the Scripture he's reading. Is this Scripture talking about himself? Is this man talking about himself? Or is he talking about some other prophet? What is this scripture about? Well, what happened? Philip went and joined himself with this, with this man up in the chariot. And he took that same scripture from Isaiah. And he preached unto him Jesus. And we get to a certain point. That verse 36 says, now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? We've got to know that as he preached unto him, Jesus, he had to tell him about baptism. Or why would he ask? Why would any of us ask about something we don't even know about? And so he had heard about this, and he asked the question, What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized them. And now when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. He felt good, didn't he? I don't know how he felt before, but now he feels good because he heard the message of Jesus Christ. And he didn't wait for Philip to ask him. He asked Philip, I, I want to be baptized. What, what stands between me and, and doing this to please God? And he said, all you got to do is believe. And he made that great confession. And they went down to the water and took care of it right then and there. 
And he went away feeling good that day. Again, I want you to leave this morning feeling good. I want everything to be happy in your life. We talked about what we need to do to do that. If there's someone here today, you're feeling bad, you want to make that correction, I want you to feel good. Not like James Brown so much, but maybe that kind of feel good. I want you to feel good. And if you need to, if we can assist you, why don't you come so we stand and sing.